1: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, this is Robbie Don. I'm coming to you live from sunny Spain, and you're listening to Barca Talk. <music>
2: Today on Barca Talk, Ousmane Dembele has been fined by FC Barcelona and sort of publicly shamed for issues surrounding his hamstring injury. Barcelona B won their first match in the Segunda B division and FCB Femini are the champions of the Catalan Cup for the sixth consecutive year. The men's team put some points on the table in La Liga, defeating Real Betis 5-2. Now here's some news for you. Juan Miranda, the Barcelona B left back, is on the verge of moving to the Bundesliga on a loan to Schalke 04. Miranda was believed to be a suitable backup to Jordi Alba last season, but a couple of poor showings in last year's Copa del Rey have kept him off the first team since then. Still a youngster, Miranda started every game in the under-19 European Championship for Spain, which Spain won. The terms of this loan deal to Schalke are still to be finalized, but German newspaper Bildt has reported that he will sign a two-year loan with no option to transfer him outright, but the loan could be extended. Talks with Valencia CF to transfer Rafinha have stalled, and Portuguese newspaper Ojogo claims to have sources confirming that Rafinha is about to move to Turkish side Fenerbahce. This season being the last year of his current contract with Barcelona, the Brazilian is looking for other opportunities to play. According to TransferMarket.com, his market value was at its highest when he was on loan to Inter Milan. Despite performing well in preseason friendlies and in Barcelona's league opener against Athletic Club, the most opportunities for him to see time on the pitch will almost certainly be at another club. Arturo Vidal could be on the move away from the Camp Nou as well. Italian club Inter Milan made an offer to take the Chilean on loan, but Barcelona rejected the offer instead looking for a complete transfer that would get Vidal off the club's books and recoup some of the transfer costs they paid for him last year. According to Mundo Deportivo, Barcelona are most concerned with building enough liquidity to bring Neymar back, and loaning out Vidal would not contribute to that project. Catalunya Radio reported on the program Tod Costa that Eric Abidal met with Usman Dembele and his representatives in a meeting that took over an hour, where voices were raised and Abidal told Dembele to change his attitude if he wanted to stay at the club. This came after the young winger did not report for a medical exam after last week's match against Athletic Club, as he was instructed to do. Not only has the player been scolded, but he has also been fined by the club. More on that, plus the guard of honor, brief updates on FCB Femini and Barca B, and a full match review of the Real Betis match. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. Joining me as always is Gabriel Kidoga.
0: Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How's my second favorite doctor doing?
2: Not well. I'm not well. I could use a doctor. I could use a I could use a website doctor who works for free. I could use a pro bono <laughs> website doctor. I've been trying to. So I'm in. I'm officially in business now as a offering podcast production services. Because as you know, I'm the I'm the producer of this podcast. I I design the the structure of the show. I do a I do a lot of the work. Uh, for planning the episodes and then of course I do all all of the audio business for each episode so now I've mm-hmm. I've started a business called sound it media you know where I'm offering these services these skills that I have in exchange for money and you know it sounds like a really good arrangement I've been trying to build my company website and we just spent the better part of a half hour before I pressed record today with you essentially trying to talk me off a ledge <laughs> We're like I've been so frustrated with trying to build a website for this company that I'm not I'm just not good at it. That um and but you were successful. You I think you successfully talked me down, so I'm feeling a little bit better, but I don't know, man. It's it, it's just that moment when someone asks you, How you doing? And for me, I'm always that I'm mm-hmm. I'm that person who, even though I'll say, Oh, doing doing fine, doing doing great, what I'm thinking is yeah. You don't really want to know. You're not even ready for me to unload onto you what I'm, what, how I'm actually doing right now, even though I'm actually fine.
0: I mean, again, it goes back to, you know, who the person is asking you, right? If it's just someone that you don't really care about, then you usually just answer fine. But, uh, I, you know, as we talked about, since we've been recording this podcast, I can always tell the cues that you give me.
2: So, well, I mean, not to, I don't want to burst your bubble here, but any everybody can tell because i am someone who telegraphs with his face exactly how he's doing yeah yeah
0: for sure for sure i know i'm very expressive you know hopefully
2: yeah i know but hopefully i
0: you know after our little uh seminar talk you know yeah put you in a little bit better mood so we can talk about barca a little bit
2: so yeah yeah but before we talk about barca tell me about uh how your vacation is going because you're still in france right
0: I'm still in France, the land of
2: cheese. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. My friend was telling me that there's more than 300 types of cheese here in France, which is obviously amazing. And uh, yeah, it's going well. I'm going to Paris on Tuesday, and then I fly back to San Francisco for 10 days. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to uh, see my family and obviously the Pacific Ocean. So it'll definitely be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to those uh, events coming up. Do you surf? No, I used to just body like boogie board. That's it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In France, like cheese is like a whole course in a meal. Correct. It's right before dessert. Yeah. So you have your whole <laughs> meal and now uh-huh. some cheeses. Exactly. Then a pastry or something. Correct. It's, that is correct. Yeah. It's unreal. <laughs> Can you imagine that in America? It would just be like Velveeta singles. <laughs> Not a delicacy at all. Not a delicacy. No. No. Well, speaking no. of French things. Mm-hmm. We have uh we have a discussion segment today. We're going to talk about a young Frenchman by the name of Ousmane Dembélé and another Frenchman by the name of Eric Abidal. Abidal's mm-hmm. French, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh so Dembélé uh we t- I talked about this at the news segment up top. Uh he's been fined for violating the club's disciplinary code after the match last week with Athletic Club. He was instructed to report to the club medical offices for a scan of his leg the next day. He did not show up. He went traveling. Uh, Valverde had given the entire team, you know, two days off, which is something that we've already <laughs> we have discussed um, as like maybe not the best idea. But in any case, Valverde gave everyone the weekend off after that athletic match, and but he but Dembélé was instructed to report for this uh, medical exam, this scan, and he ignored a direct instruction. So he's been fined by the club. And he, this has happened before, you know. Last year, he had his—he missed training. He was late. He almost certainly got fined for that, but it was never in the press. It was never public. And I don't know how the word got out about this particular instance. It was initially reported on Catalonia Radio on this uh, Tot Costa program don't know how they got that information but then it was picked up by a number of print publications so you can you know you can see reports of this on sport as mundo deportivo so i don't but no one cites a source really so i don't know how anyone yeah. got this information <clears throat> so the it's a little sketchy on those details but uh like the sun for example estimated that the fine is somewhere in the several hundred thousands of pounds, they had a range of 330 to 900,000 pounds, which is a pretty (laughs) big range. And it kind of makes me think they're just making it up. But so we know that clubs find their own players as a way to enforce discipline, manage their behavior. So we could have assumed that Dembélé was probably fine for this. And, you know, letting that go public, however, seems like a way of, shaming him on top of charging the fine. To me, that's that's how it strikes me. So, good idea, bad idea, letting this get out into the public.
0: Well, personally, I think it's a bad idea. I mean, usually, disciplinary players should be behind closed doors. But I also think that uh, Barcelona have tried to keep it out of public before, but they're kind of reaching at a point of no return right now, and they're trying to put pressure on Dembele through the press. Now, we talked about this through the Patreon episode about how, for for whatever reason, the press is really after Dembele lately, um, especially when he arrived to the club, just of everything he does. And I just, like I said, I think that FCB are hitting a point of no return. You know, they know he's super talented. But again, Brian, how much longer can they wait for him to mature?
2: Right. I mean, he's 22 now. And if you think about what, what you were doing when you were 22 – But then again, no one was paying me an awful lot of money to do anything when I was 22. The thing
0: is, you know, the big point is, you know, last year and the year before we were saying, oh, he's new to the club. So it's okay. He's getting used to the culture so forth. But now it's already, you know, year three in Barcelona and, you know, he has a huge French contingent there. So. Again, the communication should be strong within the team, and especially with Abidel being in the board. Now, to me, one of my main things is you know, he costs more than 100 million euros in fees, and he has to be able to be productive and playing at more than 75% of the season, especially at that price. So for me, I just, he's got to really turn around this year because I could really see at the end of the season that Barcelona put him up for sale for sure. Oh, yeah.
2: And I mean, I think there's already. There are already rumors that he was potentially part of a Neymar deal, but then he wasn't. And now it seems like he might be again. And it just seems like the club is trying to, to some degree, manage his, to either try and pressure him to be better, but also maybe to show that that they're not married to keeping him. You know, like, we will let him go, you know or we will let you go and we'll we'll tell the world.
0: Sure. And and I think the other thing too is that people just get frustrated because we all have, you know, especially if we play football, dreams of playing professionally. And even for FC Barcelona and to see like for me Dembele missing training because he overslept playing video games to me just infuriates me. Oh yeah. You know? Because for me I loved training. I loved it so much. I loved working out there. I loved passing the ball, kicking, doing all the drills and so forth. I just can't fathom that he would even miss practice, you know, especially getting paid all this money. So I think that's why a lot of people get frustrated because of the reason for him, you know, uh, on top of that, it's, they're very minor things that he has to do. It's just eat better, rest more, pay attention to your body. They're, they're really kind of minor things that'll go a long way for his career. But again, you know, if he continues his path, he's going to be another, you know, superstar player that had a flash in La Liga, like Danielson, Javier Saviola. And also Adriano, who was a Brazilian that didn't play La Liga, but, you know, they had two seasons of greatness. And because, for whatever reason, injury or coaching confidence, they were out of professional football very quickly.
2: We don't want to see that happen to him. Ideally, we want to see him fit, acting really professionally, behaving really professionally, essentially working towards becoming a leader on the team. And we also want to see him be productive. We want to see him making assists, scoring goals. And all that sort of thing. That's ideally what I would want, not just because of how much we paid for him, though that's part of it. But it's mainly that he's he's clearly a talent. So I just would really like to see him step up the uh, the professionalism, so that w- his talent can be realized and he can do good things for the club.
0: For sure. I mean, every time he steps on the field, we you know I get excited, you get excited about the runs that he potentially can do the pace that he has, the ability to use left and right. Again, you know, I want him to succeed, you know, and especially obviously with the price, but just we need someone to take over for Messi when he eventually goes down in form, you know? And right now we don't really have someone in the back, you know, coming up forward as a youth player. I mean, the only one we really have is Dembele. And obviously Griezmann's going to be a good bridge to that, but long-term, we don't really have anyone that we're really excited about in the farm system. And so Dembele is kind of that hope and just again, like I said, he just has to make minor changes and he'll go a long way in his career and he'll be fit to play all the most of the matches that are available at FC Barcelona.
2: Yeah, but we we would really have to talk to someone who knows him really well to try and begin to understand why he doesn't make these small changes
0: yeah i mean again there's all sorts of theories that it's his his entourage you know his uncle and all these people that are around him that are kind of freeloading that's what it's been presented by the press and again it's it's really interesting to see how the press have really gone after him um, again to answer your question it's interesting that abidal went public because maybe they're just desperate now you know and they just need to put pressure on them in any way possible.
2: Right. Well, as as far as I can tell, Abidal did not go public. He didn't make a public statement. Mm. So it's but it's one of those things where apparently someone who works in the mm-hmm. press was just outside of the room where this meeting was taking <laughs> place between Abidal and Dembele and his manager uh, Susoku or uh, uh and there was they heard yelling and it lasted over it was like an hour and a half meeting and you could hear all so you could hear what Abidal was saying and Ab- Abidal is like furious and he's yelling uh-huh. and so people overheard this so it's yeah, it's see, not see. that anyone from the club Abidal or anybody else got in front of a podium or behind a podium and read a statement like this it was mm. it was one of those things and that's why i mentioned that i'm not clear on what the source you know like how these how the person who reported this originally on Catalonia radio, how they know this, but I assume that someone was just near the room. But if you're going to be in that room and you know that press is around, sure. It wasn't a public statement, but there's, there's, you know, if you, if you know who's on the other side of the door and you're yelling, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it was this deliberate necessarily, of- but it could be. Yeah. It I mean, this reminds me of my parents' tactic. Oh, what did they do? You know, like,
0: like they'd be in the kitchen. I'd be in the other room and they'd be talking about me loud enough for me to hear, but they would pretend like they didn't know I was listening.
2: That sounds day, like you know? some really great parenting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this, this seems like what Abidal did, you know, I think they may have kind of staged it that way because why would you have these important discussions with media around, right. you know, especially like next door? Uh, I can just imagine them with a. Uh, Kanye glasses against the wall, listening to the, to to the conversation that Avital is having. Yeah. Uh, And on this level, I can kind of get amateur
2: hour. Yeah, no, you're right. It is amateur hour. Yeah. But on the other hand, it could be kind of like a cunning political move because with an organization like this, something like that, like where, where the actual press is involved and it's something that they're interested in and they're going to write about. And now we're going to talk about, there are some other (laughs) implications
0: but, again, just like uh, being you know, something that you deserve, again, Dembele needs to really change his behavior because, again, we need his goals. Yeah. <laughs> we need his performance. We need him on the field. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, then there's the so. other issue, which is that uh, against Athletic, no one looked especially great on our side. So I don't mean to single out Dembele, but it, where were those goals, buddy?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, again, it's, we're recording this before the match, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see the lineup that goes out tonight uh, and the performance. I'm really kind of nervous about it. Um, people on Twitter are talking about potential lineups and so forth. So, again, with all our injuries, uh, we just need to survive these next couple of weeks because, again, Brian La Liga is going to be very difficult this season because there's a lot of parody as we'll talk about those upset losses that happened this week.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, we will. The women's team played Espanyol in the Catalan Cup on Saturday, winning 4-0. This is the women's sixth consecutive title in that regional tournament. The match was played in Municipal Palamos Costa Brava in Palamos, just north of Barcelona. Oshawala and Claudia Pina each scored a goal, and Mariona scored two. We'll have a full report from Michelle Taylor in two weeks. And Barcelona B started their season in the Segunda B division against Badalona, and the season started off well. With two goals scored and shutting out Badalona on their home ground, the municipal camp of Montegala, Barca B chalked up their first win on match day one. The first goal was scored by Abel Ruiz in the third minute, and the second came from Kike Saverillo, an Ecuadorian winger who's come up through the ranks at Barcelona over the last four years. Max Bleuer will be on the show next week to run down that match. It's time now for the Barca Talk Guard of Honor to show our thanks for everyone who has chosen to support the podcast on Patreon. We have so many people to give the Guard of Honor to this week. Today, we're honoring everyone who joined our Patreon community over the summer who we haven't already thanked. Receive the Guard of Honor yourself by supporting the show on Patreon you're already getting a lot of value out of this podcast with the Monday episode every week of the season, but for just $5 a month, you can get even more. You'll get another episode on Thursday every week, plus bonus episodes like the full audio yearbook series we just put out and the legend series that we've also just started. Now is the perfect time to go follow the link to Patreon in our show notes and join the community to be honored in the segment. And now we would like to thank Florian, Simon Steiner, Thomas Hirpa, Rick DeLeon, Kyle Kerr, Joe, Marju, Timu Tanwa, Nitish Ratan, Christoph, and Alejandro. Thank you everyone for your support. Now enjoy this pasillo. Now, one upside to playing the last match of the week is you know how everybody else did, and two major upsets on match day two were celta beating valencia and valladolid drawing real madrid so let's start with celta valencia uh valencia went to vigo and one goal one real suave goal scored by gabriel fernandez with an assist from denis suarez was enough for celta to win the three points out of the match and this match also featured uh, former Barcelona goalkeeper Jasper Sillesen in goal for Valencia, and of course, Denny Suarez, another former, uh, another ex-Barca man playing for Celta, and I, I thought he looked really good. So, but that was a big upset. I mean, Celta's not bad, of course. We know that that you know they're roughly mid-table, so you can they can get results, but you were you would have really been expecting more from Valencia in this match, and Celta got that goal, held off Valencia, and got a nice upset win.
0: For sure. Uh, A couple of things that stood out for me, obviously, was the Jasper Sillison performance. Uh, Had some numerous saves when I was watching the highlights on this. And obviously the PK stop that he had on Denis Suarez. So we always knew Sillison was a good backup uh, goalkeeper for Barca. Probably too good to be a backup. So I think he will have a really excellent season for Valencia. Um, The other thing, too, for Celta, Brian, you know, playing there is a difficult place. I thought for sure the weekend before. They would have a better performance against Real Madrid, especially how flimsy Real Madrid's defense is. But Real Madrid was able to beat them last weekend. But again, um, Denis Suarez, Brian, uh, who knew (laughs) that when you get more repetition, you know, you get more playing time, you actually play well. You know, who knew that?
2: Right. Well, you know, he had his loan spell at Arsenal and I don't think he played a whole lot during that time. But, you know, I think he saw more minutes than than he was seeing at Barcelona, you know, and it's just tricky, right? Cause it's such a crowded squad, particularly in the midfield. So of course, Denny Suarez didn't get too much opportunity. And I, I think that there were, there were times when he was at Barcelona where he was just nervous or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it didn't seem to be ebbing.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a good, that's a good word. I like that.
2: Yeah. Whereas now at Celta, like he looks great. He looks very comfortable. He looks free. I think he's, you know, it could be a management issue where maybe Valverde and him didn't quite click. And whereas Mm -hmm. now at Celta, he is given more agency. He's given more encouragement. Who knows? But he's looking really good for Celta and I'm happy for him. Yeah.
0: I think it's two things. It's just going back home and knowing that you're going to be a starter. Right. He's a huge, Brian, a huge upgrade at that position for them. Because before, I don't remember who played last year, but they did not have the quality of Denny Suarez. And bringing him with Aspas over there, now all of a sudden that's a a formidable duo when they play that three-forward system. So to me, it's just just those two things. Going back home and knowing that you're going to be a starter does huge things for your confidence. And you can just see, when I was watching the highlights, so many Denny Suarez on-the-ball highlights. Him making passes, him cutting through. And like you said, he just looks free-flowing, playing with a lot of confidence. As though he's unrestricted at all costs.
2: Yeah, and him with Aspas, and now this new kid, the guy who scored the goal, Gabriel yeah. Fernandez. Man, this guy looks fierce. Yeah, and he has such
0: a great first name too. You know, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, it was it was a, it was a nice goal for sure. It was a nice uh, little ball from Suarez down on the ground to the center, and then uh, Hernandez it did kind of a back flick that beat Silasen. So, just an overall nice play. But again, playing up there, Brian. I told you in the beginning of the season, right now because the weather is nice in Galicia. It's, 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 it's not a difficult place to play. However, come October through April, it's going to be difficult, even more difficult because of the rain, the heavy uh, field and so forth. And it's just a tough place to play. So they're going to be a formidable opponent this year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I, And I think we're going to see them finish higher in the table this year than they did last year, or at least they probably should because they have definitely upgraded their squad, not just with Denny's, but overall they're looking really good. Now, this was the fun one for me the <laughs> the Real Madrid via Valladolid result uh I was watching the second half and so I missed the first half and honestly Madrid did not have a whole lot going on apparently they really owned the first half they had 14 shots even though only three were on target but they were they were really dominant in the first half but what I from what I saw in the second half they did not look especially dominant despite having the home field and quite a few million more euros in talent on the pitch than Valladolid who finished La Liga in 16th place last year but i knew real madrid would probably score at least once because you know with a club like that with a team like that even if they're having a hard time getting through against someone like valladolid you just know they're going to get one in sure enough karim benzema scored a really nice one like on a You know, he gets the ball essentially with his back to goal, does a very nice turn and shoot, slots it in, keeps it low. It was a very nice goal, honestly. And that was in the 82nd minute. And so I figured they've sealed this up. But then in the 88th minute, Sergio Guardiola snuck one between Courtois' legs for an equalizer. And the through ball on that play, the assist, was perfect. That was a really well-threaded pass. And I think it was partially like Guardiola had a good finish but also I think Courtois made a, a goalkeeping error in on that particular play but then Valladolid equalizes it was great for sure and also it was like one minute later well it was six I minutes mean, that's but, that's the
0: thing that was it six minutes I thought it was I thought it was sooner than that it, anyway.
2: I mean it was um, it was short you, it was short but it was six six whole minutes yeah but okay, but in that okay. game it, that, it felt to, like one gotcha gotcha <laughs>
0: The other, I mean, the thing that I, I crack up about this is that, you know, in the summertime, Real Madrid was talking about revolution, revolution this. We're going to bring Pogba, revolution this. And they still have the same midfield. Now, that midfield three years ago scares me. Now, I embrace it. <laughs> and every time I love it because it was a Tony Crows fa- uh, fail, basically, that led to this counterattack goal. Modric, again, is not at the same level that he was last year, or even last summer. And Casemiro, he's always a red card liability. So I love this midfield because they don't really have backups that are really pushing them. So Zidane is going to be using this midfield for the rest of the season. The other thing these two games, Brian, tell me is that this is going to be a very difficult La Liga season. More teams now, like especially Celta, Valencia, via the league, you're going to have more upsets in the season now. Now, that's good right now for us because since we are so injured stricken, we're still okay. You know, especially if we win or tie tonight or lose, if that happens as well. It's going to be a really difficult season because, as you can see, anyone can win on any Sunday now. No teams are scared of the big boys, especially, you know, when we're talking about the top seven teams.
2: So this could be Atletico Madrid's year.
0: I don't know. Brian, honestly, you know, um, depending what happens after the end of this month with Barca, I mean, it could be a distinct possibility that you have more people fighting for the top spot in La Liga. I mean, you know, you think about Celta, they're healthy. The, depending on how they do this season depends on Aspa's injury, sure. right? How, how many games he plays. Uh, Sevilla, just, you know, how well they gel together on Lopetegui. Betis, you know, if they can actually play some defense. So each team has some things. Atletico again, how many goals can they score? You know, you're never going to have to question their defense. And with Madrid, it's their defense, their defense. (laughs) Atletico can score one
2: per game. (laughs) That's that's the (laughs) but you know, Sevilla is the only team already. It's it's match day two, and Sevilla is the only team so far with six points. Yeah, I mean, already that's yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it is. Like, the, it's just, yeah, I mean, and you just, it's just a matter of time before they
0: drop points as well. Exactly, because they could just drop points against Getafe or something. Yeah. You know, who knows, you know? It goes down to the depth throughout the season, you know, with the competitions and so forth. But, obviously, you want to start off right, and Sevilla's doing that. That's the, the that's the best thing you can do, is to win your matches. Now, Madrid lost a huge opportunity yesterday to get six points and be right there. Because, as we've seen the last couple of seasons in La Liga, they faltered at the beginning and were able to were not able to catch up to Barca. So it's really huge tonight that Barca just gets at least one point tonight just to kept keep their head above water and just, you know, we're in the middle of the pack and we'll be fine.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about La Liga match day two against Real Betis at the Camp Nou with a 5-2 win as the result, leaving Barcelona in ninth place on the table with only three points at the at the moment. Um, Atletico Madrid did also get three points against Leganes, so now it's just Sevilla and Atleti on six points after only match day two. So uh, let me just run down some key stats, and I think these stats are actually pretty good, aside from the scoreline, which is also good, but possession was just about where you would hope for it to be when Barcelona's concerned. 70.4% possession for Barca, 297 for Betis, and the shot stat is pretty, Pretty incredible. Barca had 20 shots, seven on target, to Betis uh, with only four shots, but three on target. So, higher percentage of on target, but still uh, pretty good. And then the passing accuracy this is a good one. I like this. Uh, Barca's passing accuracy was at 91.1%. But let's talk about the lineup because with Messi, Suarez, and Dembele all injured. The only top-choice forward available was Antoine Griezmann. Ansu Fati, 16-year-old winger from the under-19 side, uh, started on the bench and actually got a few minutes. But Carlos Perez and Rafinha, they were the ones with the start alongside Griezmann. The midfield, however, had one important change from last week. Instead of Carlos Alenia, Sergio Busquets started. But both Sergio Roberto and Frankie De Jong were in the eleven again, same as last week. So Gabriel, would you have rather seen Arthur somewhere in the starting 11? And if so, who would you have replaced him with?
0: No, I I think I'm pretty okay with the starting 11 tonight. Um, You know, again, my doubts is always with the formation. But again, we have such a deep midfield this season. Uh, I wanted to see how this midfield was going to work out. And again, Brian, it took, you know, maybe about 35 minutes or so for them to figure it out. And once they did, we were able to get more teeth in the attack. But you know, for me, you know, I would like to see Artur play, but it's not mandatory. And I don't think, you know, having Jong and Busquets, you know, they finally were able to figure it out after a minute 35 or so how to play with each other. And the goals came. So I was pretty OK with the starting 11 for tonight.
2: Yeah, and well, in speaking of the formation and the, the strategy, uh, Barca was running pretty much a 4-3-3 with Rafinha and Carlos Perez on the wings, and Griezmann in a somewhat free role. He was a little bit all over the place, almost like Messi, but with his own, you know, French flair. Uh, Sergio Roberto in particular was the midfielder running into the central space when Griezmann was out wide. So overall, what did you think of the tactics?
0: With this starting 11, I would have liked to seen a 4-4-2, uh, just push Rafinha back a little bit, have Griezmann and Perez play together. But again, it just goes back to the 4-3-3 marriage that we have at Barcelona. And I think, you know, again, sometimes we just have to adapt our lineup with the tactics you know, Eventually, we did get the goals, and I think that was more uh, a part because of how well Busquets played from minute 40 to minute 60 or so because he had such a huge impact in the game. But again, I would have liked to see Griezmann paired with Perez. I think that would have been really dangerous. And more importantly, it would have limited uh, Betis on the count.
2: Well, I, th- I felt like Perez was particularly effective out wide on the wing. So if it were a 4-4-2 and it was just him and Griezmann, I would think he would have spent more time kind of tucked in and he wouldn't have been able to exploit his skills as a winger quite as much.
0: That is true. That is true. But how many shots did he have until he actually scored? So again, that's the thing. It's like, yes, he played really well as a winger and he had some opportunities. But for me, like just to have him paired with Griezmann, just to go through the middle, you know, with this formation... Uh, I would have liked to seen that. But again, you can't have everything, right? Because like you said, if you put him in the 4-4-2, you lose his ability to be a winger, right? And so maybe that restricts him a little bit more. But I'm thinking more importantly about with Griezmann because Griezmann is such a superstar and such a masterclass forward that I would rather have him paired up with someone so that you can... Get Griezmann off and get some more goals for him.
2: I'm just thinking that, like, the particular. I mean, even though it didn't, he he only scored the one goal and he didn't have any assists otherwise. Uh, but those dribbles where he's out wide and he cuts in uh, were especially good, even though they didn't necessarily produce anything. I thought they were they were good moments and they did create uh, chances. Or at least close to chances, and if he were more tucked in, he wouldn't necessarily be able to uh, to to cut in quite as much. That's what I was thinking, but I take your point. Now I do want to touch on the substitutions uh, because the substitution choices were um, at times a little interesting. First substitution was was first of all wasn't until the seventy third minute, and it was Arturo Vidal coming on for Busquets. Now at that point, Barcelona was already up four to one, so it you might argue that it doesn't matter. But w- did you have a response to that sub? I mean, it was funny
0: because on the TV feed here, they were showing Vidal warming up before halftime, and I was flipping out, Brian, because <laughs> at that moment we were still down one nothing, and I just couldn't fathom that Vidal was the answer, <laughs> you know, the missing keystone for our attack. Now, again, Busquets had a bit of a knock there. You know, from from basically minute 40 to minute 70 or so Busquets was playing out like old Busquets, right? And it makes you kind of realize just last season, how kind of run down he's been playing a little bit because he had glimpses of masterclass and brilliance tonight. Right. And I think we definitely needed that. Now I was okay with the substitution because, you know, I think Vidal, you know, gives us that defensive presence and we kind of needed that and Busquets got a, a kind of a knock there. So to kind of preserve him, but again, this season is really important, Brian, for EV to preserve Busquets because we still need to get these performances when we need them for Champions League, for example, and in April.
2: Yeah, but that makes me uh, wonder about the timing mm. of the substitution because it, it seemed a little bit on the late side for me because by minute 60, we've, got, we've had goals from Griezmann, two from Griezmann, one mm-hmm. from Carlos Pérez, and one from Jordi Alba in the 60th minute. So, and if if Vidal's already warm, why not do it a little bit sooner and then you can preserve Busquets just that much more by 10 10 minutes or so.
0: For sure. And I you know, if Busquets doesn't get that knock, cuz he got a pretty good knock on like around that time, I bet you he finishes the game. Mm. Yeah, so I I think it was more seeing Busquets on the ground a little bit and then having Vidal ready because maybe Prior to that, he puts in him for Sergio Roberto, because that's kind of what he would do more. He would take out Roberto first before Busquets.
2: Right, because then it would be just a one-for-one change. They're both playing essentially right midfield. For sure, for sure. Okay, then in the 78th minute, the 16-year-old ansufati comes on for perez so a really great opportunity for the youngster i had mixed feelings about this because on one hand it's really exciting to see such a young player come on for the first team and get his debut and we're already winning and it's clear that we're going to win the game so i didn't feel any risk about it but at the same time i was just looking at that bench and thinking again i was thinking about artur you know i was thinking about you know the the just the other players who would also benefit from minutes. I mean, Arthur hasn't seen a single minute yet.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I kind of wanted to see Antu Fati come in but just because of this situation. We were already up, you know, four or five to one. It was a good situation. He's not going to lose anything. If anything, he scores. People are going to go crazy and so forth. But I, I think, Brian, Artur is your new Sergio Roberto, huh? You, you really want to see him get some minutes and,
2: and get him playing time, huh? There will never be another Sergio Roberto for me. <laughs> But it's kind. Of, I mean, Sergio Roberto was also kind of like. Well, he wasn't a new Chavi because I didn't follow Chavi from when he was young, so it's it, mm-hmm. it's a little different. But yeah, he's definitely the the sort of the newer player who I am most interested in seeing more. I'll say that. I for sure. so yeah, in for a sure. way. But I'm not I'm not going to start coming up with you know man crush nicknames for him. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, he's uh, well something about his bowed legs maybe, but. Speaking of Fati, though, he's just so graceful. I mean, he's like a gazelle out there. The way he moves and his passing is so effortless and beautiful. I mean, it's no wonder that he's, you know, he's getting looked at by Valverde already. So you, you talked about
0: Paris's performance as a winger and now Fatih. Again, this goes back to just learning the style from La Masia, you know, and it's attributable because you can see... When they get plugged into a match like this, and I know we're playing this 4-3-3 system, and that's that's awesome for La Masia to learn this style because you can see how easy it was for them to integrate, right? Fati came in, he knew exactly the spacing, he knew where to hit the angles, and he almost had a goal on that one great shot, and it's because he's been trained for that. Now, again... At this highest level, Brian, you have to be adaptable for different tactics. And I know there's a slight change of 4-4-2, 3 3 and different things, but they were very slight, you know. Obviously, we're always going to prefer the four-three-three. but for me, I posed the question on Twitter. I just said, you know, look how easy and integrated Perez and Fatih looked because of La Masia. And again, that goes back to what we were talking about in the preseason, that we need to focus and bring more players to the system because you can see the style of play and the joy that I mean, people on Twitter, Brian, were flipping out because they were just watching this joyful, you know, not galactico players playing for us tonight.
2: Yeah, and I think that was really key. That was uh, I started watching this game with not a lot of joy, both for my own personal <laughs> reasons, but also just because they weren't inspiring much. But as they got more into the game, they got the equalizer. So pretty much the entire second half, it it just kept mounting. And Fatih coming on was a part of that as well.
0: And again, I mean, the other thing, too, is thank God Valverde didn't make any changes because the midfield figured it out. The front three eventually figured it out. Now, my only question is with Rafinha. I would have just maybe put someone else out there, just whatever. But again, he's not a forward. He's getting playing time. That's fine. You can't have everything perfect. But for me, the thing that... Valverde didn't make changes. The midfield did figure it out, and uh, you can see the barrage of goals that we finally got.
2: Yeah, and um, the third substitution that I want to touch on because this is a, uh, I know this is something that you wanted to talk about is that uh, Junior Firpo came on eighty-first minute for Rafinha, going up against his old club in Real Betis, and so that means there's there are effectively two two people who are used to playing left back on the pitch. We have Junior, Junior Furpo and now Jordi Alba as well. And how did that affect things?
0: Yeah, it was weird, right? Because I thought for sure Junior Furpo was coming in and it will be like, oh, Alba's going to get some break.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, no, he pushed forward. Right. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> a, a person who hates to shoot the ball and doesn't really have any link on play with anyone on the field. Great. That's going to work out well for the next 15 minutes. You know, it's funny because I was thinking about this. I was like, who in the Barso's pass could move up forward from defense. And I was like, Danny Alves, Danny Alves would have been a perfect moment for that. Right. Because he would have looked for goals and he's selfish that way to look for goals in that way, in a good way. But again, I just sub Alba out, leave Rafinha in, Right. <laughs> just I mean, what, what's, what's the purpose? Yeah. I mean, imagine if Alba got hurt playing forward or something happened, right? Again, we need to preserve Alba. He's the number one In this, you know, as we've seen last season, we need to preserve the players. The old style of football, Brian, where a player has to play the whole season and every match, every minute is long gone. Oh, yeah. With so many competitions, so many minutes, you have to use the bench and preserve your players. As we saw tonight, Busquets, man. I mean, I hate to go always go back to this, but man, it was so enlightening because the way he pressed tonight, the way he stole and dimed balls everywhere. It was just like, wow, this is like 2016 Busquets. And it kind of just realizes last season that he's on the decline. And like I posted on Twitter, there's nothing wrong with that. He's been been great for the club. He's master class. But the commentators on on the Spanish TV were saying, if anyone doubts that he is on the decline, they didn't see this. He's on the decline. And that's (laughs) fine. But we have to preserve him, Alba, Suarez, all these players. Because if we want to win Champions League this season, we need them at their top and at their best.
2: Yeah, and going back to the whole Furpo Alba thing, I mean it's it is tricky when you put two two wing backs in on the same side. You know, they have to agree who's gonna be on the wing and who's gonna be back. And they mostly agreed, but there were times where they were both kind of playing in the same place and they were getting in each other's way. Again, it was it wound up being uh, no big deal because we were already winning. It was, there were only nine minutes left in the game. We were going to win the game. It was clear. Uh, so then it's just fun to see sure. to see how they bump into each other. Exactly. I mean, thank
0: God we had Fatih on the other side because they kept trying to feed him balls, right? So that leave the pressure on ABBA trying to do anything. And again, the game was already in hand, so it's okay. But again, just sub Alba out and just leave her in because that would have kept... I guarantee if Rafinha was still in there in the match, it would have gave a little bit more balance and maybe a little bit more spacing for Fati. And who knows, he could have scored the goal. And that would have been really a, a cool moment at the Camp Nou Forum.
2: Yeah. Now let me summarize the goals. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how we're going to do it, Gabriel. Okay. Are you ready? We had ready. seven goals in this match. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down the list chronologically. And uh, any goal that you have a comment on, comment on it. If you don't. Don't. We don't have to get to all of okay. them, but I'm going to just briefly run down the whole thing. So it all began in the 15th minute when Busquets uh, made a pass that came up a little bit short and Canales stepped in front of Rafinha to grab it. And frankly, I was blaming Rafinha for giving that ball up, not Busquets. And then the counter was on and that put Fecker right in front of Ter Stegen to put it away.
0: I'll comment on this one. Again, we still have we're still vulnerable on counterattacks big time especially when we had so much possession already at the beginning of the match. They had one opportunity, one goal. Again, when we're playing uh, better teams down the line and better competitions, we have to sure this up. Again, I think it's a little bit of both of Rafinha and Busquets not communicating well on this play. But as soon as this play happened, Busquets finally switched over, and he, had the, he was definitely the
2: man of the match for me. Oh, Busquets was the man of the match for you. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Well, and then the equalizer didn't come until the 41st minute when Griezmann opened his account at Barcelona with a diving shot on a floated pass from Sergi Roberto, good old Sergi Blue Eyes, and that equalized things just before halftime.
0: I mean, this was important because this equalized right before halftime. You know, we we're a lot of Barca fans on Twitter were walking the plank already, just kind of self-doubt. What are we doing? Valverde out, all this. But again... Sergio Roberto with an absolute dime uh, finding Griezmann and Griezmann getting his first goal in a Barca
2: jersey. Yeah and it was I I would also like to point out another great assist from Sergio Roberto. Um, (laughs) Then after halftime five minutes in 50th minute Griezmann with his second goal just after the start of the second half another assist from Sergio Roberto. Yeah
0: it was funny on the interview after the match they interviewed Griezmann and he said he watches Messi in practice do this all the time so he wants to copy it so that's why he did this shot again I love shots from outside the box. You have a little bit better angle, and Griezmann was able to connect and get a second goal.
2: Now, I forget which one it was, whether it was the first one or the second one, but Griezmann uh, had this bizarre new... uh, It was the second goal. He had this bizarre new celebration where he had a person waiting with a container of glitter, and he runs down the end line, opposite side of the field, lets his assistant pour glitter into his hands so that he can throw it up in the air, and um, I'm glad he scored two goals. I'm I'm glad we have him, but what? Like what? <laughs> You're not a fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan. It's
0: funny on this. It's funny on the Spanish commentary I was listening to. Uh, they were saying that they saw him come to the stadium with his mate, right, his Uruguayan tea, and a bag with the glitter. And they actually saw him give the glitter to the guy beforehand. And they were questioning. They're like what's in the bag you know and then when he did the celebration they put two and two together and then of course they didn't realize that it was a lebron james kind of salute type of thing and so they were trying to explain it It was it was quite hilarious but again brian to me the most important thing is that he scored the goals that we needed tonight and he came through because we needed these points you know it didn't matter if it was one or three so again you're not a fan of it i don't i'm here or there with it more for me is the the master class of the second goal from him
2: yeah you don't you don't care about the post goal you don't care about celebrations i don't think you're no not really. you're not concerned with him you just want the goals correct fair enough 56th minute <laughs> carlos perez scores his first for the first team with an assist from samedo
0: my only comment on this is it was messy like the way he passed the ball into the left corner with his left foot so you know, again, just watching film and learning from the best, you get this type of goal.
2: Yeah, 60th minute, Jordi Alba scores one after a cutting pass from Busquets. Now, when you say Busquets for you is the man of the match, I I can boil it down just to that one, the that one pass. I mean, of of course, like you said, from for about 20 minutes he was flawless, uh, and there were a couple of other moments where uh, he was maybe not flawless, but. In in this moment, it was absolutely flawless. I mean that 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 ball in for Alba was primo football.
0: It was primo football, and the other thing too was people were on Twitter were saying Alba looked to the middle for Messi, didn't see Messi, didn't want to shoot, and then just dribbled it in. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was it was a goal by default. <laughs> what do I do? Exactly. Again, I guess I'll just okay. <laughs> Toe poking, yeah. yeah, exactly. And the thing, and the thing is,
0: how close was he until he finally let the ball off his foot? It's crazy. Like at any professional level, doesn't matter your defender, midfield, or whatever. You know that if you are three meters away from goal, you should probably shoot the ball. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it seems like pretty fundamental, right?
0: It it is fundamental, just like reading. You know,
2: yeah, but he, I mean, he has so much training at trying to make the pass you know, trying to put the cross in, putting the final ball in, he scores at most maybe three, four goals in a year. And honestly, this is yeah, this is starting early for Alba. He might actually get five goals this year, thanks to this one. For sure.
0: Do you know how lethal he would be if he actually used his right foot to shoot? Coming from that angle with his right foot, and if he actually took some more shots, he would definitely get into the six to 10 goal range because he always attacks that. And people are always looking for the messy pass so he can take that shot. But he never wants to shoot with his right. My dad would be very disappointed for him not using his right foot.
2: Just because your dad is all – he he wants everyone to be comfortable on both feet, right?
0: This is correct.
2: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. But, I mean, I think someone – some folks were saying – I don't want to turn into a tabloid podcast. Some people are saying <laughs> – let me let me rephrase this. The commentator's – I was watching here in the states here on BN, I believe it was uh, Ray Hudson, but it might have been Phil Shane. We're mentioning that uh Carlos Perez is accused of only having a left foot. But kind of like you mentioned that one goal that he did score, it was so messi-esque that it might be okay that he only has that left foot. Of course, one of the things that make one of the many hundred things that makes Messi so great is that he's just great with whatever, any part of his body that he touches the ball with is going to be great. But yeah, with Perez, it seems like he only has a left foot, and I guess Alba does as well. So I suppose your dad is uh, especially disappointed.
0: He is, but the thing with Perez is he's coming from the right side, so having the left foot there is more opportunistic, opportunistic, whereas Alba being a left footer on the left side, he's going to have more closed angles. That's why, you know, imagine if he just came on that, especially that goal, maybe one meter before with a right foot shot, He would have had no problem scoring that if he gets better. Again, it's just, you know, he's still a great player. I'm just saying it's just one other thing that could add to his tool belt.
2: Yeah, but I don't see – at his age, I don't see him – Yeah, I I don't. I don't see him going in early to training and saying, I really need to work on shooting (laughs) with my right foot. I really need to add that to my game. Don't
0: need to go early to training. You just need to shoot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so 77th minute, Arturo Vidal scores just minutes – after coming on this time with an assist from Griezmann. So overall, Griezmann had two goals, one assist. Very good game for him. But Arturo Vidal put this one away.
0: I mean, his first four minutes was one shot, one goal, three fouls. Yeah. Uh, enough said.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> that tracks what we know about Vidal at this point. And then just a couple minutes later, Bettys get one back. Seventy ninth minute, Morón sent one past Ter Stegen on an intercepted pass from Griezmann to De Jong, and it was a screamer. So that was at least something for the traveling fans from Sevilla to appreciate. I mean, they knew they were getting beat, but that was that was one nice goal on Morón's part.
0: Definitely, it was an upper ninety screamer. You couldn't hit it any better. I mean, it's like on the rise, unsavable. So yeah, great great take by him.
2: Yeah. Now next week we're going up against osasuna oh and pamplona yeah going to pamplona that is that is bass country yes it is it's right there and it's also this is their
0: first time back in la liga i think it's in like five years or so so they it's a tough place to play because they're the only big team in town so they get a the good uh, support there so yeah it'll be a tough match luckily we're playing now and not in the winter time because in the winter time it snows
2: there yeah yeah that's uh I didn't know that. I said that. I said, yeah, like, oh, I've been I've lived it.
0: You know, this is this is why you pay me the big bucks here, Brian, to give you the Spanish geography
2: and weather reports what's, and weather reports of <laughs> soccer stadiums. <laughs> yeah, you can have your own weather channel that's particular I, to just soccer stadiums. That is correct. That's yeah. correct. Well, I mean, as a general recap, I got to say I'm calling this episode no Messi, no Suarez, no Dembele, no problem. And it was yeah. true today. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be true against another team on another week. But today, I, I felt I really like what you mentioned about letting the midfielders figure it out because they did. Everyone figured it out. And there was much more of a collective strength in this lineup and in this game than we've seen for a while. And this does go back to the, the side effects of depending on Messi so much, or even just having a player of Messi's caliber on the field and having Suarez on the field. You take those guys out, and it turns out that actually maybe we do have a really good squad otherwise that can do some really good things. Maybe Valverde is a, actually a pretty decent manager.
0: Mm, pump the
2: brakes. No, I mean, I mean come I, on now. It, he's won yeah, two Ligas in a row.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I, I think more you know, how many games is it total now without playing Messi counting preseason? Maybe five games now in total, something like this. Mm-hmm. So again, they're starting to come together as a team and they're starting to focus now that this game was so interesting because the first, you know, 35 minutes was really tough to watch. You know, we were watching the same thing with the possession and again, they finally figured it out again. This is the confidence they need. I'm just curious to see what happens the next two games because does Messi come back and all of a sudden they regress? Or does Messi hold back? And then we see what happens when the team can play together for another week without Messi. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, we want Messi back because he's Messi. But, you know, it's going to be definitely interesting to see how, and especially away, you know, we always don't play as well when we're on the road.
2: Right. And the other question that that comes up, because you've mentioned this before about whether or not Valverde is able to get Messi to play in a slightly more disciplined way to work him into a system or you know does he just take a complete hands-off approach to Messi because it seems like he's he does and that actually kind of hurts us in a couple of ways it benefits us in a lot of ways but it also causes the dependency problem so that's the third option right is Whenever Messi does come back, what will happen, right? Will we regress? Will it work? And will Valverde manage to get him to become part of the system rather than having the system suddenly start trying to revolve around him again?
0: For sure, that's a good point. I mean, I would. You saw tonight, you know, when the four-three-three is balanced up top, right? You have the two wingers and the person in front. It's always going to spread the defense thin when you have three forwards playing in, in unison, right? But you know. I would love you know, if Messi came back and played on the right side, of the right winger in the 4-3-3 because I think with him and Griezmann, then all of a sudden that just opens up that far left side to whoever else is playing. You would maximize that space and they would have so many opportunities. But again, Messi's going to play central and that's going to leave a void again in that 4-3-3 that we play with him. So again, I there's no answer to it because Valverde is not a strict manager like with Luis Enrique, or even, you know, obviously Guardiola leaving Messi and not allowing him to play make as much. So again, it's just going to, it's really going to come down to if he starts against Osasuna and how we play. Because again, if we have this starting lineup and we substitute Rafinha with uh, Messi, for example, how does Dijon play with Messi? How does Sergio Roberto in the midfield play with Messi again? It's like, it's, they have to figure that all out. So Again, it may. this could be a thing of, you know, we won the match tonight, but the next match is going to be preseason again, and we may lose that match because we're trying to feel our way again, playing with Messi.
2: Right. Well, I, I'm not super worried about, I mean, I know that you've mentioned that we're going to be on the road, we'll be in Pamplona, but I'm not super worried that if there are some growing pains of getting Messi back into it, of losing to Osasuna. Not really.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you
2: sure, Brian? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm sure, this is the thing, obviously you're not.
0: <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's it's early in the season. Osasuna had a better preseason than we did. You know, they had a, a real preseason. So again, I always just look back at these first couple games because it reminds me of the Valladolid de Lead match last season where Valle de Lead was just newly promoted. The whole city is behind the team. Barcelona comes into town. The whole town is going to be behind it. They're going to have a whole week leading up to this this match in Osasuna. Or in Pamplona. So, again, I think it's going to be more difficult than you think it's going to be. And in, in that, it's just that whole fanfare and stuff. And more importantly, if Messi starts, then I think the other half of the team could be psychologically saying, oh, Messi's back. We don't have to do as much as we did against Betis, for example.
2: Yeah. You know, and as you're saying this, I'm reminded that uh, of something that the great Andres Iniesta once said. You don't play football on paper. This is correct. So this is correct. Yeah, and, any given and Sunday, right? Is hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, if, and football is hard. And eat your vegetables,
2: right? Yeah, and I eat like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> Very quotable man. All right. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about what happened in Pamplona. <laughs> Barsa Talk is a production of Sound It Media, written by Brian Henderson and Gabriel Quiroga, editing and post-production by Brian Henderson, music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by 2.0. Support the show on Patreon for double the weekly episodes and more bonus content. Until next time, visca Barca.